The SCO Show comes to Indy as we continue our conversation on Anthony Richardson. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. you all for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. This is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Zach Hicks. You know and love me from obviously this, this episode right here and all the other episodes here at Locked On Colts. And you know me from my written work over at HorseshoeHuddle.com. You guys can read all of my film articles over there. Jay calls me the most notorious film guy in Colts uh, media, and I wear that with so uh, Jake will be back tomorrow. Don't worry. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but our special guest today is Mark Schofield of SB Nation. Mark is one of the leading experts in all the industry when it comes to quarterback play. And he's even branching into some others now with, uh, with SB Nation. So pretty cool to watch. And all of you old heads like me, you definitely remember him from the inside the pylon days as well. I know I have to keep shouting that out, shouting that out every time Mark comes on the show. Uh, today's episode, Sco and I are going to dive into Colts' new franchise quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Richardson is a polarizing player, but his tantalizing traits and his lovable personality make him a player to bet on in this draft class. We're going to dive into some of the finer details of his game, including how Richardson can fix some of his flaws and how he's a perfect fit with Shane Steichen. But first, Mark, we're looking at this profile with Anthony Richardson it is one of the craziest profiles we've ever seen because we've seen raw quarterbacks go in the first round and even in the top 10 before, like Josh Allen and those type of guys. But we've never seen a guy this inexperienced go as high as Anthony Richardson did. What what about Richardson for you kind of made you comfortable saying, yeah, this is a guy I take in the first round or I'd be okay with a team like the Colts taking fourth overall? Yeah, well, Zach, first, thank you very much for the kind introduction. It means a ton, my friend. It is great to be here again. Um now, with Richardson, obviously, look, the athleticism certainly helps. And, you know, being in Lucas Oil Stadium the day of his combine session, you could feel the conversation around him shift to, hey, he's like maybe 15th overall in this class, mid-first round type of pick, To He could go first overall with what he just did in front of us because it was just, it was just different, you know, yeah. the explosiveness, the athleticism, and then – you know, even when he was just warming up and throwing, just the easy velocity with the way the ball that sort of pops out of his hands, explodes out of his hands. You know, you could tell you were watching something that doesn't come around too often. And, you know, historic athletic size combination at the position. Now, you know, what makes it easier to bet on that is then when you start seeing him in games. And we all know the plays, you know, the jump fake against Utah, the run against LSU, the pocket movement against Tennessee. Like those were the three plays on every network that got showed when the pick was made. But then you look at some of the other stuff, the reading of defenses, the eyes and how he can manipulate defenders, both on the boundary and the flats to the post safety in the middle of the field. You see some of the little nuanced things to play in the position and you know, did he do it to an extent with a consistent level of, say, a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? No. That's probably why those guys went one, two. But he certainly did it. There's certainly something to work with there. It's not just he's an athletic freak and he's running around, 
doesn't know what he's doing, but it's working on Saturdays. So we think he can work on Sundays. It's yes, he has that, but there's also a foundation of high level quarterback execution from the pocket. It might not be the consistency that you'd like, but it's there. So you can at least believe that you can get more of that at the next level. And so you put that combination together. It screamed to me like, yeah, he's coming off the board inside the top three or four picks. And that's what we saw. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I love that you mentioned that right there, just his ability to go through his reads and and the eye manipulation. I mean, again, when you're watching this kid, he's 20 years old. Uh, He's the fourth youngest quarterback drafted in the first round in the last 70 years behind guys like Michael Vick and Sam Darnold and stuff like that. I think they're the only younger guys taken ahead of him. Uh, Super young quarterback and first year starting, and you're seeing the eye manipulation. You're seeing him move. Like There was this play against Georgia where he had the hook over the middle, and yep. he moves off uh, the middle linebacker just by looking up to the flat for half a second and then switch it, flips his hips back and throws it right to the middle of the field to that hook. Uh, that's stuff that you just don't see from these super young, inexperienced quarterbacks. And then the other thing I wanted to mention, I want to get your thoughts on this too, is just the poise. You know, like I, I think one of the most translatable traits from college quarterbacks to NFL quarterbacks is that poise in the pocket. It's what these guys are doing when pressure's closing in. It's what they're doing on third and fourth down. Are they making the correct reads? You know, again, the mechanics aren't there, whatever. If the accuracy is not always there, but are they panicking in that pocket? And I think something we can say about Anthony Richardson throughout his 13 games of experience is we didn't really see him panic in the pocket. It was very, very poised and controlled, which is so rare to see of a guy with his little experience. Yeah, absolutely. And pocket poise is one of the toughest things to sort of figure out as a quarterback. Like I I was just on a show a couple of minutes ago and basically said the idea is you either sometimes have it or you don't, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's an unnatural feeling. Like you're standing there, you're, you know, the idea that you're supposed to climb the pocket. It's like, you want me to get closer to those guys? Like those guys are trying to put me in the hospital. You want me to get closer to them, but that's sort of what you have to do. And it's even tougher for an athletic quarterback to sort of have that ability, that confidence in yourself, that willingness to stay and fight, right? You know, fight or flight, human response. We all know it, whether it's in the pocket or whatever, you know, but when you've got the athleticism that, you know, you can pull the ball down and nine times out of 10, you can outrun somebody to the edge, you know, that's a good thing to have. But if you start to rely on it too much, it becomes a problem. You miss opportunities to make throws from the pocket. And so for athletic quarterbacks like Richardson, like Jalen Hurts, whose name will come up a lot in this conversation, I think, going forward, finding the balance between, okay, on this one, I got to go. I got to get out of here. That there's three points of pressure. I've got nothing yet. I got to create to, I'm feeling this pressure and it's the, the walls are sort of closing in, but I got to stay here and fight in the pocket. You know, that's sometimes a tough thing to balance, but he's shown the ability to do that. He's shown the ability to remain poised in those moments and the throws might be slightly off or whatever. And there's mechanical things we're going to talk about, but the fact that he has that willingness to stay and fight is a big thing for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the pocket strength as well. I mean, I know Bryce Young, for instance, I'm just comparing him to the number one overall pick in this class. Bryce Young is a magician in the pocket. Absolute magician. Pressure is closing in, and he all of a sudden he's going to be out of the pocket making a big throw. But if you're hitting him in the pocket at all, he's probably going down. You know, yeah. and, and that's not a surprise. But the thing with Richardson is he can have those magical moments, those magician moments like a Bryce Young. But if you're hitting him, he's not going down. <laughs> Like he's he's staying you, out. You better get the clean shot on him um, because yeah. he's going to bounce off of you. And you know, in 
in NFL rooms, in NFL scouting rooms, like they evaluate play strength. You know, it's one of the things you look at. There's more than one way to stay upright in the pocket. Now, athleticism has become the in vogue way of doing it, whether you're, you know, making people miss or just running away from pressure and things like that. And yes, Richardson has that, but he also has that sort of Roethlisberger-esque ability of just, I'm going to shrug somebody off. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't escape. You know, this defender has a free shot on me, but I'm not going to go down. You know, you get a slot corner blitzing off the edge. He might be able to shrug that off. You get, you know, an inside interior defensive tackle that's getting sort of pushed into him. He's trying to get him down with his arms. Richards is going to be able to fight through that. And so, you know, that gives you another element of that pocket poise, that ability to avoid or escape from pressure. It's not just a, I got to run away from it. There are moments when he can just stay and sort of fight through it because of that play strength. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So coming up, guys, we're going to dive into some of the, the flaws in Anthony Richardson's game and talk about how, yes, they are detriments right now, but there are avenues to improve upon this. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. But first, if you're looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. It's built. You've got to try this. What makes built bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right real dark chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors such as churro peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream i'm not sure how bill does it but these bars taste just like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros that's what's even better is that they're actually healthy only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you don't even need to wait to get a box for years we've been talking about ordering built bars at built.com but now you can get them at your local walmart or sam's club while you still get your specialty flavors over at built.com that's right head to your nearest walmart today head to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars you can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream ice cream double chocolate bar or coconut puff if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You guys can thank me later. Every day is Jake Arthur will be back tomorrow to uh, talk all things Colts draft. That we're going to dive into uh, what we really liked about this Colts draft and where we think the Colts can go from here. So make sure you're tuning in tomorrow for Jake Arthur's triumphant return to the show. But, Sco, we're going back to this conversation about Anthony Richardson and I'm sorry if you guys are watching on YouTube. You lost me there for a second. I accidentally hit my mic cord, but don't worry. I'm back. I'm back in here. Uh, Anthony Richardson, you know, we hear this whole draft process about his inaccuracies. We hear about, you know, oh gosh, you can't draft a quarterback who completes only 53% of his passes. Accuracy never gets better in the NFL, but we're kind of seeing with draft prospects lately that that kind of old saying of accuracy never gets better in the NFL is kind of going out the window. Like yeah. we are seeing guys get more accurate in the NFL. We're seeing Lamar Jackson improve his accuracy. We're seeing Josh Allen obviously improve it. Jalen Hurts improve his accuracy. You know, what? what is it about kind of the today's NFL game that's helping these raw quarterbacks go from 60% passers in college to 65, 66, 67% guys in the NFL? Yeah, and again, there's that name, Jalen Hurts. We're going to keep coming back to that because that's the proof of concept that we're sort of working with here. But I I think a lot of it is overall the NFL game is starting to mirror a lot more of what we see at the college game. It's more spread. It's more wide open. It's more, you know, trying to get people into space. And, you know, it's one thing when, you know, there might be some throws where, yeah, there are tighter window throws and things like that. If you're throwing a dig route or things like, you know, routes over the middle – uh, like we talked about Will Levis, right? If you're attacking the middle of the field, there might be more bodies there. But 
if a lot of your throws are to the boundaries, you know, within five yards of the line of scrimmage, you know, 90% of the NFL's throws today are within, you know, eight yards of the line of scrimmage for the most part. I haven't studied it in like a year or two, but the last time I looked, it was like 91% of all NFL throws are 10 yards or closer. Mm-hmm. And so when you're playing the game at that level, it's just natural that, you know, you might get more, uh, you might get a higher completion percentage. And, you know, if you're throwing the ball a lot more downfield in the college game, for whatever reason, you know, suddenly your most of your offenses within or at or near the line of scrimmage, you might see a bump that way. Richardson was, dealt with some drops and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that completion percentage could have been a little bit better anyway. And so like we're seeing quarterbacks have the ability to bump that completion percentage up. Number one, number two, just don't look at completion percentage as the be all and end all of it. There's context there. That's why, you know, when you start looking at like PFF numbers and adjusted completion percentage, I always like to use that when you can, because it strips out drops and, you know, spikes and things like throwaways, things like that. So I think that also helps. Um, but the other thing is we're also seeing quarterbacks working so hard at holding their craft. And I think with Hertz, with Allen, with Lamar, like the work that they're doing year round at refining mechanics and ball placement and the work that some great Quincy Avery and Tony Rossiopi and Jordan Palmer and all the great like private quarterback coaches that are out there. So many of them that are doing such great work with quarterbacks from eighth grade on up. You know, they're working year round at it. And so I think that's another thing that we're seeing is that, you know, they're working on it February, March, April, May. So when the summer comes around and training camp comes around, they've done some work to get themselves in a position to improve upon that as well. And so I think we've got a lot of factors that are coming to play here, which has led us to the point where, like you said, before Josh Allen, you can't draft him. 55% completion percentage. It's one of the Parcells rules, right? Like 60% completion percentage. I think that one, as with some of the other Parcells rules, because you're not going to have a kid at stand for four years or something, you know, you're chipping away at these because of the way the game has changed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love everything you mentioned there. And I agree with everything completely, especially these kids, the way they're, they're uh, just transforming their game by working with these QB trainers and, and, all that stuff. But another aspect I wanted to add on to you saying that the NFL is kind of mirroring the college game is we're getting athletes again, like Lamar, like Jalen hurts, like uh, Josh Allen. And we're not asking them to be pocket passers anymore. Yes. Yes. We want them to be pocket passers. Like at the end of the day, if it's third and nine, we want you to be able to drop back and deliver a strike, you know, a, a backside dig or something like that to get that first down. But we're not just saying, Hey, Anthony Richardson, you're going to come back here. You're going to do your three and five and and seven step drops from under center. And the only runs you're going to get are going to be from scrambling. Like we're not going to design any runs for you. Nowadays, it's, you know, Jalen Hurts last year had 97 designed runs in in that Philadelphia Eagles offense. Uh, Obviously, Lamar Jackson, when he won the MVP, was running the ball like an extra running back on that team, the plus one uh, player in the run game. So do you think, kind of using quarterbacks in that run game kind of helps lessen the box a little bit or kind of lessen coverages to make completion percentage and accuracy even easier for these quarterbacks? Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, and again, we're, we're going to get into the sort of how Richardson fits and what we expect this offense to look like. But the years of, hey, loved what you did in college. That was great. All the athleticism you showed and the running and the touchdowns, that was awesome. Don't expect to do it here because this is the offense that I want to run. It's three, five, seven step drops, and we're not going to use you in the run game. We're not going to move you around. Those days are gone. 
coaches have realized that like you have to get them just generally speaking, if you want to get the most out of a young quarterback, go back to their high school coach, their college coach, their Pop Warner coach, their seven on seven coach. What concepts did you like to run? How did you use them? Get that stuff into your playbook. You know, so if it was a lot of spread stuff, it was boots and sprint outs and things like that, get it in there, use them in the run game, you know, and then in the run game as well, the sort of plus one in the box, you might get plus one anyway. Now you're plus two if the quarterback's involved, right? Because if you've got two deep safeties and you've got, you know, five, six man box, you might be plus one to begin with, but then you can leave a defender unblocked because of that quarterback run threat and the, you know, the zone read type looks that teams are using like we expect them to use with Richardson, like we certainly saw Shane Sykin use with Jalen Hurts. Now you're kind of, like I say, plus two in the box. And so, you know, you're – again, it all gets back to the idea of winning with numbers, right? Winning with overwhelming numbers, whether it's in the run game or flood of the zone, and so you suddenly got a high low on a defender – or, you know, you've got an inside-outside on a defender in the flat, and it's like you've got space to work with because of the way you've constructed things, because of the numbers, advantages that you've created. And so Richards' athleticism and the athleticism we're seeing younger quarterbacks, A, come out with, and B, their NFL coaches trust them to use in the NFL, I think that's also why we're seeing a lot of this advancement, you know, and these younger quarterbacks are coming out with athleticism, having success. It's because the coaches have stopped the square peg round hole thing that we used to see. It's like, oh, this is what you did in the in the college game. That's what you're going to be doing in the NFL, at least to start. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, not to toot my own horn or pat myself on the back. No, nope, toot, toot, toot. Yeah, toot, toot, toot. That's what I'm doing right here. We're, I wrote an article back in, I think, November or December about how we need to reanalyze what the high floor quarterback is. It was you know, a great piece. It was a yeah. great piece. I loved it. Yeah, because traditionally we think of the Josh Rosens as the high floor guys. Yep. The Josh Rosen, the Davis Mills. Ah, this guy's high floor. The ceiling may never be there. Mac Jones, another one right there. I know you know that one a little bit, yep. a little bit more with the Patriots stuff there. You know, these are the guys that we traditionally thought as high floor guys because, you know what, they might not be able to throw the ball 60 yards but they're going to be able to operate that West coast offense. They're going to do those three, five, seven step drops. They're going to read the high lows for us. But now the high floors, in my opinion, are these mobile quarterbacks because look again, if I have a quarterback like Mac Jones, say the goal is to get to 3000 yards their first year, right? 3000 total yards. However it is running or passing. I need those to all be through the air with Mac Jones, Anthony Richardson. I could get a quarter of the way there with this, his running ability. I don't even need him to throw one pass for him to get me those yards and all yards are created equal. So to me, I really think these mobile quarterbacks, like a quarterback like Richard, look, I'm not saying he's high floor, super safe player, but it's a higher floor now than what it was back in 1990, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a great point because, you know, again, coaches are more willing to say, yeah, we'll get out of those 3000 yards. We're fine. If 800 of them are on the ground, like we're right. fine with that. You know, we di- Look at Daniel Jones last year. You know, he got himself a big payday, 120 designed runs. Mm-hmm. Like, again, the idea of we need 3,500, 3,000 yards, whatever it is from our quarterback, it doesn't have to be all through the air. You know, it can be, you know, half through the air, half on the ground, two-thirds through the air, third on the ground, whatever it is. But that's what we're going to get. As you also said, all yards are created equal. We'll get them, you know, create opportunities. And so – you know, it's reset that idea of what a quarterback's floor is. Like, you know, a, a guy like Richardson, his floor may not be the same as a pocket passer type, but it's not 
this wild difference. It's a lot closer, I think, than we've thought in years past. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So coming up, guys, we're going to bring all this together and talk about Anthony Richardson plus Shane Steichen, which is, in my opinion, the most perfect fit in this entire draft class. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. All right, Mark, so getting to Anthony Richardson and his fit in the NFL, I can't imagine a better coach in all of football than Shane Steichen with him because we saw with Shane Steichen the last two years, especially what he did with Jalen Hurts, you know, because when he went to Philly, Jalen Hurts was a 52% passer his rookie year, you know, in that Doug Peterson offense, he did not look good. Like he looked like a guy where it's like, do we ever start him again? Because that was not pretty given every quarterback in that offense didn't look pretty that year. Yeah. Uh, but they put uh, Jalen Hurts into the Shane Steichen scheme. And, and yeah, it was a little slow at times, but you saw the steady progression from, you know, backup caliber quarterback to solid starter to MVP front runner for most of last season. So do you think that there is a better fit for Anthony Richardson to, to become what he's going to be in the NFL than being with a guy like Shane Steichen? No. No, I mean, better. He was the best available fit. Like if right, he had, right. if he had gotten to Kansas City, like Andy yeah. Reid's gonna make him pretty good, I think. And I think there are some other offensive minds around the league where, like, yeah, you know, this could have certainly worked out. But in terms of like the spots where we thought a quarterback was gonna go, couldn't have picked a better one. I mean, because there's there's proof of concept. There's Jalen Hurts. I mean, throughout the Richardson process, right? It was, oh, he could be Josh Allen. And you understand why those comparisons were made. I know I made the sort of torque and explosiveness comparison between Richardson and Allen when we talked a couple weeks ago. But you look at how Shane Steichen crafted an offense, you know, Jalen Hurts' first full-time year as the starter, right? Where, you know, they get to the playoffs, but it was run heavy, run first, use them in the run game. Again, get into that idea of we just need the 3,500 yards somehow. If they're half of them in the run game, we're okay with it. Whatever the number is, we're okay with that. To what we saw last year, where it was suddenly in the acquisition of A.J. Brown and having Devonta Smith, all that stuff certainly helps. But it was he's suddenly a high-caliber player from the pocket as well. And, and the biggest difference, I think, from Hurts in the first year to the, what we saw last year was that pocket poise. Like I, I distinctly, Zach, remember, you know, two years ago he had a game at Denver where it's a third down and you could see him start to pull the ball down. Yeah. And I'm like, he's going to run. He's going to run. And he doesn't. He resets and then like throws a backside dig to Goddard. And it's like, all right, the lights come on. Like it, it's come on in his mind now. He knows I can stay and fight because the offense had finally, like the way it was constructed around him, instilled that belief in himself. The path is there. I, I think whatever Richardson sees the field and, you know, I heard some rumblings, maybe it is week one. Maybe they just decide, look, we're going to do it. He's We talked, you know, he's he's got to play year one. If they decide they're going to do it year one, week one, okay, that's great. Love it. You'll probably be 55% run game on first down, 60, 65% run game on first downs. It might be a 60-40 run pass split to start out. That's how it was with Philly. You know, the idea is you'll get to flip those numbers at some point, but you don't have to do it overnight. You don't have to do it right away. If you're continually plus one, plus two in the box, you're going to have success on the ground. You know, if this run game gets back to the way it has been historically in Indianapolis over the past couple of years, where it's a dangerous run game, and now you add Richardson to that, like, look, zone read looks a lot different when, you know, you're looking at the ball in the belly of Jonathan Taylor and it's Anthony Richardson there and not 
you know, Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan. Like it's, it's a lot different. And so that run game becomes a little bit more explosive. Even then you start filling in the stuff that Richardson needs to fix. Like, again, this is a, a fantastic parent. I had, you know, I, I get a lot of people that ask me fantasy questions and, and somebody reached out to me today and it was like, all right, well, who's your QB one in fantasy? And I'm like, just for year one, maybe still it's Bryce Young because of everything they have around him. But if it's a dynasty league and you're talking to me, asking me who my QB1 is in fantasy going forward, it's Richardson. Like, this is such an ideal fit. Now, again, that's fantasy. That's not, you know, what we're going to see on the NFL Sundays. But I, I think it shows you that the potential is there for this offense to be just fantastic. You know, it might not happen overnight. It probably won't happen overnight, but the landing spot, the parent, and this is what I wrote when the pick went out, a lot of it influenced by our conversation a couple weeks ago, like the parent of Steichen and what he wants to do and what he's done with Jalen Hurts and Richardson is just ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to do a quick anecdote here about Shane Steichen and why I love Shane Steichen so much is Shane Steichen's an Air Coryell guy. Norv Turner, Eric Coriel wants to air it out. You could see that with Justin Herbert, that rookie season. You could even see it in 2021. I mean, Jalen Hurts was not in a super efficient deep passer in 2021, but he threw the ball down there a lot. Now, flash forward to this past season, and Shane Steichen wanted to make uh, Jalen Hurts a lot more comfortable and wanted to help that quick game grow. So Shane Steichen, the whole offseason, studies Bill O'Brien's empty uh, theory studied empty theory really got into empty theory this is what i was told from somebody uh close to shane steichen who worked with shane steichen before is he studied empty theory and really wanted to get jalen hurts in a comfortable short passing game set and they came out with i think the second most percentage in uh empty theory in empty personnel last year they were like second most they built qb runs out of empty they built quick hitters out of empty they had their quick win rod receiver and devonta smith out of it and Shane Steichen built this offense around Jalen Hurts. And that quick game went from something that Jalen Hurts struggled with in years past to an area of, of immense strength for him. Now, flash forward to Anthony Richardson. And Richardson in college, his two areas that he, that, you know, the things that he did really well to identify defenses is they use a lot of pre-snap motion. And then obviously play action game he was really strong on. And those aren't really things that Shane Steichen's done in the past. You know, he's never really used pre-snap motion. Play action was part of it, but it was a different type of play action than what Florida was doing. So when I look at this fit here and I look at Shane Steichen's past and how he's been able to adapt, again, empty theory is not something he's done in the past before Jalen Hurts, but he brought that in. I'm looking at what Anthony Richardson does well right now. And again, the pre-snap motion, all that stuff, Shane Steichen's going to be one of those coaches who will bring that in. It's not going to be, I'm an arrogant play caller. That's you have to be my air Coriel quarterback. It's, Oh, you like pre-snap motion. Cool. We're going to, we're going to do that 80% of the time or something. You know, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but Shane Steichen's so adaptable that I think if you give him this kind of clay mold that we have with Anthony Richardson, he's going to give him every single tool to succeed. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the days before the draft, Stephen Holder wrote a piece about, you know, the Colts like all the four quarterbacks. And in that piece, there was a, big section on part of the reason they like all four isn't because of the four quarterbacks themselves. It was because of Shane Steichen. It was because they knew that, you know, you could draft Bryce Young. He's going to put together an offense that's going to work for Bryce Young. He could turn around and draft Will Levis. He's going to put an offense around Will Levis that works for Will Levis. It's the same thing with Richardson. You know, Steichen has shown, as you just sort of walked us through there brilliantly, he's going to put this offense 
into the mold of Anthony Richardson. So if Richardson comes in, you know, they get down, they do the introduction, they catch their breath, the cameras turn off, everybody goes away. Steichen turns to Richardson and says, what do you want this offense to look like? How, the next 20 words out of Richardson's mouth are what we're going to see in the fall. Like, yeah. that's what they're going to do. And if Richardson comes out and says, you know what? I want to grip it and rip it. I don't want to run. Like, I spread it out, let me throw it. That's what we'll see. If Richardson says, you know what, I kind of love what you did with Jalen Hurts, run game and stuff like that, that's what we'll see because he's going to adapt this offense because he knows he's lived it. He's lived taking a, you know, day two quarterback from strange, somewhat shocking draft pick behind Carson Wentz to highest paid player in the NFL is for 10 days, but highest paid player in NFL history. He's lived that before he can live it again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love the fit so much. I love Shane Steichen. And one thing I will say about Shane Steichen, this is why I love him so much, is every I think him and I see football extremely similarly. I'm not saying I'm the same football mind as him, but I can always predict what Shane Steichen's going to do and want because it's what I would do and want. It's like my favorite thing. Uh, so I know if Anthony Richardson comes in and says something that Shane Steichen hasn't heard before, all the coaching clinics going to be downloaded on that subject. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's like going to be iPad will be all yep. those coaching clinics. He's going to be in the Google drive that gets floated around. He's going to be downloading the stuff that we download too. I mean, and that's, that's great. That's, but again, that's what your job as a coach, right? Just like mm-hmm. forget Shane Steichen or who your job as a coach at any sport at any level is to put your players in the best position. So he or she, so they can succeed. Right. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, Shane Steichen with Anthony Richardson or me and a couple of hours coaching middle school baseball. Like whatever your kids do best, you put them in that position to be successful. And he's shown that willingness to adapt his philosophy to what works best for his players. That's a huge part of being a coach. And it's why he's gone from, you know, a quarterback coach in the span of a couple of years to an NFL head coach. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, guys, that's all we have for today. Mark Schofield, as always, brilliant in everything he has to say. Make sure you guys are following him on social media. It's at Mark Schofield. You can find his work over on SBNation.com, where he covers the NFL, but also F1 and more sports, right? Isn't it it, hockey as well, right? That's what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, look, they've let me cover everything. Um, I've done baseball. I've done hockey, Kentucky Derby. uh, But the main two are NFL and F1. I got to chat with Look, I, last Tuesday, it's a couple of days before the draft. I've got all these radio shows talking draft, and I have to hit pause for a second because I had to sit down with Lando Norris from McLaren <laughs> right ahead of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And there I am. It's me. It's Lando. He's over in their factory in England, and we're talking about cornering, and we're talking about overtakes and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> so I got to sit down with Lando Norris. Um, I'm going to get some other drivers over the summer here that I'm going to get to talk to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've – I basically the draft ended Saturday, right? And all the men and women that covered the NFL draft, myself included, were looking forward to a long night of sleep. But I was up at the 6 a.m. the next morning because we had Azerbaijan lights out at 7 a.m. And so um I go right from NFL into like basically full-time F1. We got Miami this weekend. We got Amola and uh we got Monaco at the end of the month as well. We got three races this month, so it's gonna be a, a ton of fun. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of you guys listening are big F1 fans, especially because, again, we're on Indy. We love racing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I've got some I've got I already got some invites to come to Indy some year. I've never been to the Indy 500. It's a bucket list item for me. Uh, so not this year, but maybe next year you might see me walking around there. 
There we go. There we go. So again, make sure you guys are following him on social media. They're at Mark Schofield and follow all his work over at SB Nation. And everydayers, don't worry. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Jake Arthur makes his triumphant return as we continue the conversation about this Colts draft class and maybe take a slight break from Anthony Richardson hype. But you guys know me. I'll I'll dive back into it for sure. Uh, if you guys aren't already following us, make sure you follow us at Locked On Colts at Jake Arthur NFL and at Zach Hicks Two on Twitter. Also subscribe to the Locked On Colts podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd love your ratings and reviews and we'll see you guys bright and early tomorrow morning.